Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. On this week's Highways Voices, we look at finding the next generation of highway engineers. I regularly visit universities to do talks on on the Institute to do talks on the sector and to promote the sector as somewhere where people might want to work. The CEO of the Institute of Highway Engineers is our guest this week, talking training, governance and the future. The road to future transport professionals on this week's Highways Voices. Highways Voices, in association with partner organisations Elkrig, Adept, the Transport Technology Forum and ITS UK. Hello from Paul Hutton, Steve Spender, CEO of the IHE, is our guest on this week's Highways Voices and we'll hear his chat with Adrian Tatum and me this week after Adrian's given his thoughts on some of the must-read stories on the Highways News website. The Law Commission of England and Wales is seeking views on regulating remote driving on public roads. The government has said that this is continuing to develop a full legal framework for self-driving vehicles. This is set to include a full regulatory framework for widespread development of automated lane-keeping system technology by 2025. The first approved technology is likely to be for vehicles travelling at slow speeds on motorways, such as in congested traffic. And Transport for London this week has published casualty statistics that show the number of people killed on London's road in 2021 fell by 22%. This is the lowest level on record compared to a 7% increase nationally. And in Surrey, over £6 million of additional funding will be dedicated to improving road safety around schools making walking and cycling safer, and to tackle speeding at known collision hotspots across the county over the next three years. This will include £1 million per year to improve road safety, encourage more walking and cycling around schools, and another £1 million per year to help tackle speeding issues. Remember, you can read those and so many more stories on the Highways News website, catch up with the news on Twitter and LinkedIn, and sign up for the daily email to get your news to your inbox every lunchtime. When it comes to Highways Industry News, Highways News is the only place you need to go for everything you need to know. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. Swarco improves quality of life by making the travel experience safer, quicker, more convenient and environmentally sound. From software-as-a-service traffic management solutions to parking, VMS, EV charging and road marking too, find out how Swarco can deliver more efficient and safer traffic management. Swarco, the better way every day. The Institute of Highway Engineers provides professional development opportunities, support and leadership for individuals to achieve and maintain professional recognition. Steve Spender is a former president who's now the organisation's CEO. Adrian and I caught up with him for Highway Voices this week, and we started by discussing the latest person to take on the president's role. We have a two-yearly cycle with our presidential team with the uh, with the institute. Our president serves for two years, and uh, we currently held uh, or we held our AGM recently on the twenty second of June, and our new president was. Uh, officially installed at that meeting. So our new president is Martin Polland from uh, Transport Scotland, and he will be supported by Catherine Kelly, um, who also currently works for Transport Scotland, but is changing employers shortly. And we have a new member to the presidential team, uh, Darren Capes from the DFT, who we we welcome to the presidential fold. And uh, 
current or our previous um, president, Stephen Webb, will become our immediate past president for the next two years. And what does that mean? What is their role compared to your role, Steve? My, my role is to manage the operations of the IHE and its finances and our day-to-day activities. The presidential team are the mainstay of our executive team and they head our full council, which is made up of 24 members. So the three members of the presidential team not only form the presidential team, but they chair and lead full council. Their role is to drive strategy and the direction of the institute to make sure we're meeting the members' needs, the members' Uh, support and guidance and we're taking the institute the way in which the membership want it to go in terms of improving our training uh improving our uh, our availability to members making sure that we're giving them their full support us full support so the high resiliency moves at such a fast pace uh steve how does a membership association like AHE support that uh, in different ways but more specifically with you know constantly updating training and, and advice uh, to support our engineers on that journey? We, we constantly monitor um, and we survey our members in terms of what they think they, they need in terms of training. And, and we look at the sector, find out where the sector is, is um, identifying training needs uh, are required. One of the things that we are doing a lot of uh, these days is we're, we're running a, an initiative called a professional development partnership in which we're signing a memorandum of, uh, of understanding with partners that, that want to work with the Institute. And the, the key question that I always ask when we start those negotiations with uh, our key partners is, what do you think is missing from the sector in terms of training? What can we do in terms of filling some of those gaps? How can we work with the sector in developing the training needs as the sector and as the needs of the sector evolve? And then we work with them and we work with partners within the sector then to develop those, those training needs. We're currently working on a couple of new training courses at the moment uh, and trying to refresh it to make sure that we are up to date with what the sector requires in terms of uh, the, the right sort of training to take us forward to meet some of the challenges that, that such as the environmental issues, such as the move towards greater use of data. All of these are key parts of what we need to develop and take forward. We can only do that we're working with the sector. You mentioned, Steve, about greater use of data, and you also mentioned Darren Capes coming on to the presidential team. Uh, Darren is leading work on ITS within the Department for Transport, and he heads up the Transport Technology Forum. Uh, How are you working with them on actually looking at technology within highways? One of Darren's mainstays, as you say, is is the use of technology, the use of data, how we actually make our, our new new breed of, of highway engineers and those working in the sector um, uh, more more fame, more up to speed with the use of, of, of new IT. We are uh, and have developed a introduction to ITS training course, um, and we're looking to launch that. Uh, now we were hoping to launch it in late late summer, but we are now looking to launch that in um, middle of September, in which we are encouraging those that are working in the traffic signals and the ITS sector to come forward for that introduction to ITS. We then intend to develop that into one of our professional certificates and diplomas, which can be used to to aid people that are coming forward prof- for professional progression, and that could lead to a registration as an ICT tech. We are the only 
uh, licensed institution that carry that license to register somebody as an ICT tech. Um, and we're, we're, our, our aim is to work towards that as we go through this year. So the thing that goes hand in hand with, with training and skills, Steve, of course, is, is recruitment. Um, what, what's your feeling right now on on uh, recruitment and, and retention in the highway sector? And of course, there's, there's challenges. A lot of the civil engineering courses are full, but half of those people, sadly, we, we lose to other sectors before they even start. So um, what, what's your feeling on how, how we can take that forward? I think in all of my years, and uh, and I've, I've been involved over a great number of years with um, with the links to universities through my role in as on the joint board of moderators when I was in my presidential term back in uh, 2010 2012, um, and even then uh, there was this obvious shift towards a, a loss of 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 those individuals that are coming forward for civil engineering courses. They are full. Um, we need to make our sector, one that people want to come and work in, one that they actually see is, is current, one that they see is actually serving serving the, the people of this country in terms of developing and bringing forward new ways of actually maintaining and improving our network. Because unless we can do that, then we don't have a network of the future. And we need to make sure that we include in that things like sustainability, things like the, the use of different materials, the, the use of different techniques, how we can actually encourage people. And I think that we have this inherent problem as, 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 uh, as a highway sector that our demographics tend to show that we've got an ageing registered um, engineers within the engineering council register that are looking and heading towards uh, retirement and what we need to do is we need to encourage the younger people to stay with us we need to make it attractive in a way of making sure that they recognize that they are adding something to this to our network adding something to the country in terms of of, of what we build and how we maintain it without our networks we've got no trade without our trade we can't we can't get transport in to do this to service shops and other things and it's a very very difficult balance between how do you employ somebody that will put a yellow jacket on that will go out into the wet and the rain on days when the, when the weather's poor um and it, it's not always the most attractive of, of sectors but we do need to find a way of doing that and and we can only work with the universities we can only work with time spent engineers to actually bring them forward and encourage them to actually um promote the sector as best they can We'll hear more from Steve Spender of the IHE in a moment after Sarah brings us this week's partner news. Highways Voices, with the latest news and events from our partner organisations ITS UK, Elkrig, ADEPT and the Transport Technology Forum. The UK's Intelligent Transport Systems Industry Association is working with partners from the transport technology industry to deliver a major presence for UK participants at this year's ITS World Congress in Los Angeles from the 18th to the 22nd of September. It is working with the Transport Technology Forum and other stakeholders, including the Department for Transport, Innovate UK and the Department for International Trade to deliver the stand and is looking for expressions of interest for stand participants. The aim is to ensure that the UK participants are given the opportunity to showcase themselves in one space and facilitate networking with each other as well as building foreign contacts and working together to show the best of transport technology from the UK. There's more about this on our site. 
Meanwhile, members of the Transport Technology Forum's Technical Working Group on Vehicle-to-Infrastructure Communications will get to experience the very latest in technology to display real-time information into vehicles at an event at one of the UK's leading test tracks this October. The Spatula Group, meeting on the 12th of October at the UTAC site at Millbrook in Bedfordshire, will involve updates on the latest developments in green light optimised speed advisory, in-vehicle signage and wider connected data. The Local Council Roads Innovation Group, Elkrig, will provide an update on the development of its dynamic purchasing system, DPS, at next month's Innovation Festival. The DPS will enable easier access to and procurement of innovative products, services and technology. It will allow for adherence to best value procurement rules while making it easier for suppliers to offer access to innovations that are not easily procured. The DPS scope will cover all highways asset management categories and green space maintenance, street furniture and traffic technology. Find out more details about the event next week and check by checking the Highways News website. Finally, ADEPT is supporting a new project designed to support increased digitalisation of the local roads network. Digital Roads for Local Roads has been set up by leading specialists in the highway sector who want to demonstrate the benefits of increased connectivity on local roads, much as the ADEPT Smart Places Live Labs programme has done. The project partners, including Ringway, Vanchi, Jacobs, Ordnance Survey, Innovate UK, TTF and TRL, are asking the wider sector for their views on the future of local roads, which make up 97% of the road network. You'll find the link, guess where, in the blurb. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Now back to our chat with Steve Spender, where I pick up the conversation by asking about turning aspiration into reality. So you've talked about what you want to do there, Steve, when it comes to attracting people. What practical steps are you making to actually say to people uh, at university or even thinking about going to university that getting into highways and transport is a good career move uh, when there are so many other attractive options that they might have? We, we are linked through the work that we do with the um, Royal Academy of Engineering in, in developing new engineers and we get involved in the forums that, that, are, that are carried out by uh, the uh, Royal Academy of Engineering and, and others in, in new engineers. We regularly visit and I regularly visit universities to do talks on on the institute to do talks on the sector and to promote the sector as somewhere where people might want to work where they, we're hoping that we can encourage them to work I think where we are looking to improve ourselves is our contact at, at that slightly younger age at you know sort of instead of uh, higher education looking at further education and schools to see how we can get into those to make sure that the younger generation is aware that this is a an opportunity for them to to forge a career in a sector that maybe they haven't thought of in the past. And I notice that uh, you mentioned the new presidential team, but you've also got an IHE student representative who at the AGM was elected Harris McGee from Napier, Edinburgh Napier University. Uh, is this a new role or have you had student representatives on the IHE Council for a while? 
No, we've we've had uh, two student representatives that that sit on on IHE Council, and it's open to any of our student members to put their names forward. It's a two year cycle of office, um, and to qualify, um, they should be somebody that's either studying part time or full time uh, in in a related subject uh, to the sector. And we're we're really proud of the fact that we include two student members to sit on our field council. They have as much say. They bring in some good ideas on our recruitment and uh, and membership portfolio. They're also involved in our professional development portfolio. So we encourage them to get involved. We encourage them to bring some of the ideas and the challenges that they might be facing as students as to how perhaps we can uh, support students better through their uh, their uh, educational part of their career. Um, and we currently have, as you rightly say, Harris was uh, was appointed um, as from the AGM on the 22nd. Uh, our other student member is, is, believe it or not, is a student from Belgium who's been studying on a uh, on a Bachelor of Engineering course in Belgium. So we open it up to any of our students and and they are a a, a worthy part of our engineer of our um, council team. Steve. Sustainability is, is, a, is a massive challenge in the industry at the moment. And I guess the biggest challenge for local authorities is to understand um, which method of measurement to use and, um, and how to audit what they're doing and how to measure, measure that performance. Um, how is the IHE approaching that, both in terms of training and, and, and other support? It is, it is something that we, we are building into any of our training events that we hold. We are, in fact, the second course um, that we're developing this year um, is a an improvement to what was our asset management course that we that we ran previously. Um, and in discussions with um, with uh, Matthew Edgington for the DF, from the DFT, uh, he asked whether we could actually um, forge a course that was aimed at practical engineers. Now, within that particular course, we're building a large element of how sustainability interacts with every single section of asset management planning to make sure that it's integrated through it, to make sure that, that there's an awareness that how we can support um, local authorities through those engineers that we're training through asset management planning when we, when we bring this out and we're doing this in partnership with the RSTA and we're doing it in partnership with the IAT uh, and other partners that want to get involved with, with helping us to deliver it so that we can, we can share um, the different types of materials that are out there, the different types of techniques that are out there to actually add to the toolkit that engineers have available to them in meeting the environmental agenda that's placed heavily on local authorities now. Finally, Steve, of course, we're talking about you now as chief executive of the IHE. You were president 10 years ago. How have things changed in the 10 years since you stepped down as president um, to the, what, two years ago that you took over as chief exec? I, I, I'm not sure whether you're talking in terms of how things have changed for the IHE or how things have changed within the sector. The, the, the sector has obviously um, uh, continued to, to evolve in terms of the pressures and the requirements that are on it. Um, in terms of the IHE, I think the IHE is, is, is a much stronger organization now than than it even was back in in 2010 2012 at that stage we had about 2600 members we're now up to uh, 3400 plus members um i think we are more diverse in the training that we're provided i think that um we are 
we've got our ear to the ground more now in terms of listening to our members and listening to the sector. Uh, and we're becoming more engaged with central government and with other with other parties in terms of how we can best support the sector. So I, I believe we've grown and I believe that as an institute, we're growing to meet the changing needs that the sector is bringing, that the sector has to face. That's Steve Spender, CEO of the IHE, our Highways Voice this week, with a real insight into training and the next generation. Now, before we go, there's always time for Adrian's Accolade. My accolade this week goes to the Korean Artificial Intelligence Optimization Platform, Nutter. It's launching an AI-based intersection management control system which uses images from existing traffic cameras. The AI camera solution is a visual analysis technique to collect traffic data from CCTV at junctions, collecting such data such as traffic flow, speed and occupancy. One of the many reasons why I'll be a worthy winner of my accolade this week. Thanks, Adrian. That's it for this week. I'm away next week, so we'll have a break from Highways Voices. So ignore what Danny's about to say at the end of this and join us again on the 13th of July. We'll talk then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 